We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Friday, April 7th. It's Fighting Friday. We're back. We're back with another UFC pay per view slate, pay per UFC 287. I think I think I got that right. 287. I don't know. I lose count of it. Uh, it's uh, the main event is uh, Adesanya versus Pereira two. The rematch from uh, from last July, where uh, Pereira uh, knocked knocked out Adesanya and uh, and took the title in that division. What the one whatever division that is? I don't know. One one of the middle middleweight classes, right? Something like that. Uh, so we'll be talking a little bit about uh, DFS strategy for tomorrow's MMA slate on Fighting Friday. Give me those thummy thumbs. You know, I like those in the morning. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Good morning. Good morning, the early birds. Wataz, Sukisin, Bundada, real life pitcher, Doug Montgomery, Jupocalypse, Jenna Sandy. Good morning. Good morning. Defix uh, two days with no pregame show. And I missed, yeah, you missed the, the Zoom call. I do uh, coaching calls behind the. Behind the paywall, the Roto Grinders Premium membership, you get part of my, you know, in the Discord. Right, you missed it. You missed it. You missed it. You could feel the EV of my lineup slipping away. I think you're doing pretty well. I think you're doing pretty good off. Tyler Wilde is here. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. We'll be talking about the 13 fight card tomorrow, six o'clock Eastern start time. We're still waiting, I think, for Cynthia Calvillo to get on the scale. I think everyone else has made weight. So let's see what happens there, right? That isn't necessarily the most appealing fight, uh, Lupi Godinez versus Cynthia Calvillo. So if that, if that got scrapped, I don't know. That not, does it matter that much, right? I, I don't know how much of the, that fight I'm going to have, uh, but uh, but we'll see about that. It's a 13-fight card, and you know what we do here on the preview, right? We talk about the context of the slate. 
the context of the slate. We don't necessarily break down the fights. If you want to break down the actual fights, Liam and Mike have that for premium members. So sign up for a Roto Grinders premium subscription. Click on that link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. You'll get the expert survey. You'll get lineup HQ with all the numbers and the ownership and everything. You'll get access to our Discord uh, in the MMA channel. Uh, you'll get uh, Liam's breakdown of the fights. You'll get the print, the Grounded Pound podcast. You'll get everything. Uh, but uh, this is kind of like the little free content. We're also doing Crunch Time tomorrow, right? I'm on Crunch Time now so for MMA. So it'll be me and Mike, H3 Buddha, uh, tomorrow probably 5.15, like 45 minutes before lock. Uh, basically to go over everything again, kind of like you know, it's, it's the lay of the land. But the context of the slate, that's what's important when determining what is more or less likely the nut lineup, the optimal, the nut lineup, the best possible lineup could look like, more or less likely, right? A lot of underdogs, not a lot of underdogs. Like using most of your salary, not using most of your salary, that type of thing. So the context of the slate, the two things we typically look at are slate size and slate spreads, okay? Slate size, it's a 13-fight card. So this is like, Probably in the middle range, right? It's not 10 fights. It's not 15 fights. Somewhere in the middle. It's nice. It's healthy. 13 fight cards. I could, I could deal with 13 fight cards. That's pretty good. 11, 10. Once we get down to like 11, gets a little dicey from a dupe standpoint. 10, 9, it's getting awful from that standpoint. 13 is kind of middle of the pack, okay? So on a 13 fight card, I would say average on whether or not, on on whether or not the the lineup will uh, spend most of the salary, and on how much win equity should you prioritize in your lineups? I think I think it's in the middle of that as well, right? On a fifteen fight card, you got thirty fighters, so you know, like a guy a guy that wins and gets seventy eight points is not nearly as valuable as on like a ten fight card, right? Because there's only so many options. So the more fighters that there are available to score a lot of points, 100 plus points, the more you should be looking primarily and for how many points do they score in a win rather than them just winning, right? And obviously that's all price sensitive as well. So a 13 fight card, we're kind of like right in the middle. Then from a spread perspective, it's like how big are the favorites, right? In comparison, how many big favorites are there? Now, if we take a look at my, my odd sheet, which I have set up with the, the Roto Grinder stuff on it. Uh, we got two four to one favorites, one three to one favorite, one, two, three, four, about four two to one-ish favorites. Like it's a little, it's a it's it we don't have humongous, humongous favorites, but it leans a little bit more towards like 9k and up are like two to one favorites or better. Okay, and then in the mid-range, you kind of get the you know the 60-40-ish type fights. And maybe you have, you know, two that are like closer to pickums. Based on these spreads, I would say it leans a little bit, a little bit. It's, it's This is more average. It's not like a typical pay-per-view. A lot of times on pay-per-view cards, we get like, you know, we get, we have four fighters that are five to one or better favorites. But on this card, it's kind of, we have favorite favorites, but not, not, they're not absurd. So I think it leans slightly, slightly towards, uh, Less underdogs winning, and more likely that the the the, the nut lineup uses most of the salary. Like on on this slate, 
I, I'm only playing seven lineups. Okay, I'm not. I'm not. I, I'm not playing fifty large field. Uh, I'm focused that they they're running the some of the the bigger qualifiers for the the MMA live final. So I'm focusing on that. So I'm just playing. I'm just playing seven lineups for for that instead of you know also making a fifty to seventy five lineup. You know, large field build. Uh, but if if I were, uh, I'd even in large field, I'd probably be spending like nine forty nine five, right? Plus, I probably wouldn't be making as many lineups that are that are under forty nine k, right? Because we got big enough favorites here that you know we're probably going to get two nine k fighters that do put up a hundred plus points, right? And once you, once that happens, then most likely that the the, the nut lineup is going to be. Is gonna is gonna be a forty nine five plus type of lineup, so I'd lean more towards that. But it's not like heavily so. We have some slates where, like the likelihood of that, like you look at the slate and go, I'm not sure if any of these underdogs are winning, right at all. And not not only put up points, but how do they win? I don't think this is that type of slate. I th- I think on this slate we'll have maybe maybe three maybe three underdogs win out of thirteen, maybe four, and it also depends on how much they score. Right, underdog wins and scores sixty-two points may not make the nut lineup. Okay, so we take a look at this, and also we have we have a lot of fights that we have, we have a lot of like it seems like on this slate there are many fights that fit into one of two buckets. Okay, we have fights that the win the the favored fighter or one of the one of the fighters has a small path at 100 plus points. But they do have high upside at 100 plus points. So basically like knockout artist types. Right? Someone that doesn't score very well otherwise is kind of very knockout dependent on 100 plus points. So their path, their the, the time period that they could achieve that is typically like the first round. And then we have a lot of fights where I'm not sure if either fighter scores 100 points in a win at all. A lot of a lot of fights that may go to decision are very striking based, right? It's the type of fight where it's like, okay, two guys, they're gonna they're gonna punch a bunch, not many takedowns, and someone's gonna win a decision and and score 75, 80 points, like maybe maybe something like something like that. I think we have a whole bunch of fights like that as well, and in those types of fights, typically. I side with the underdog because of price purposes, right? If if the if the ceiling of the fight is low, I get more out of an underdog that scores 75 points than I do out of a favorite that scores 75 points. And then in the in the knockout artist type of thing, like I don't I don't mind. I, I hey, you want to spend 9k plus on a guy that may only have a 5 minute path to 110 points? Like at least that's at least that's doable, right? At least that's doable. Uh, but I kind of want to stay away from ownership when it comes to those types of fighters, small paths to victory, so small paths to hundred plus points. I'm not saying that they can't win. It's just that like their, 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 their method of victory of scoring hundred plus is very striking dependent. Okay. So we take a look where are those buckets on this slate. Okay. So we go, we, I'm going to, I'll just go down matchup by matchup practically like, the Burns Masvidal fight is like Bur- Burns and Williams are like they're the two most expensive fighters, but they also have the wrestling upside, 
right? Gilbert Burns and, and Masvidal. I mean, Burns' path to victory is to take Masvidal down and smash him for three rounds. Carl Williams against Ogden is kind of the same thing. I'm not sure about Carl Williams' finishing ability, but on DraftKings, I mean, wrestlers and grapplers score more points. They have higher floors, higher ceilings. And Burns and Williams both have decent inside the distance lines. They're four to one favorites. Okay. But you're spending 9,600, 9,500 on them. Okay. So they're not in either of the two buckets that I talked about. They're in they're in the buckets by themselves. Okay. But then you have Ignacio Balmondes against uh, against uh, what? Uh, Ponzinibbio. Right. Do I, do I, did I miss out a fighter here? Masvidal, Burns, Williams, Ogden. Bama, who's Bama on this fund? Is he fighting? I thought he's fighting. Hold on. I thought Ponzinibbio is fighting Holland. So who's who's uh, Ignacio? Who's Bama on this? Or Bama on this is fighting. Oh, okay. No, I get it. Okay. This is how I, I always view it as like this against that. Okay. Because we have the mispriced Chase Sherman in there. Okay. So it's William Sherman, right? Because Sherman was the favorite. Williams is a, is a replacement. And now Williams is the underdog. So basically, like you're you're paying you're paying eighty eight hundred for a guy that should be priced at like sixty eight hundred. So he's two thousand overpriced. He will be the lowest owned fighter on the entire slate. Okay, that's it. It's another scenario. Yeah, because I typically read Burns, Masvidal on the bottom, and then I go Williams, Ogden. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense, right? Bob Mondes is fighting Ogden, uh, and then Holland, uh, Ponzinibbio. So yeah, so so Baja Mondes, not a wrestler, right? Plus 110 inside the distance. His path to 100 plus points is pretty much the first round. He's going to be middling ownership. Okay. So I'm not like, I'm not like scared of his ownership. Scared or whatever. Trying to go away from his ownership. 28, 28-ish percent. Right. It's going to be kind of flat up here in the high 9Ks. But still, like it's a, like Bahamondes and Holland, like fit, fit that mold of, it's hard for them to score 100 points without a knockout, right? So I'm much more likely to, to take a shot on like a Ponzin, like especially Ponzinibbio at plus 355 inside the distance against Kevin Holland. Like if Holland's going to be like 30% owned and Ponzinibbio is going to be like 20% owned for 6,900, because if Ponzinibbio wins a decision and scores 75 points, like at 6,900, I don't mind that. But if Holland... Wins a decision, scores ninety points at ninety three hundred. That that's not good enough for me. So Holland, uh, Bahamondes, all right, because they have good inside the distance lines, plus one ten, plus one fifteen. But their 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 path to hundred plus points is is a bit narrow. Then we have Lupi Godinez versus Siltier Calvillo. That's one of the the other bucket of fights that it's hard to see. It's hard to see either of them scoring a lot of, even though like they they could wrestle, but I think they'll cancel each other out. I don't necessarily think Lupi Godinez is the greatest wrestler. Calvillo is a used to be a good wrestler, and the striking on both sides suck. So this the ceiling of this fight is low. So on these types of fights, I'd I'd much more rather favor Calvillo because ninety two hundred for Lupi Godinez decision win. Uh, 72 points is is a disaster. Then we get uh, Raul Rosas versus Christian Rodriguez. And Rosas is, fits, is in the bucket with Burns and Williams. Right? 
He's a young kid. He's only 18 years old, but he's, you know, he's he's a BJJ grappler extraordinaire. Plus 130 inside the distance. He's going to be popular, though. But he's only 18 years old. So maybe, you know, Christian Rodriguez, I mean, it, it, it's not a great fighter, but he's not bad. Is Rosa's just going to just take him out in the first round? I don't know. Maybe he'll have much more uh, adversity. Uh, let's let's keep on going down. I'll, I'm going to skip this one because this is actually my, my my favorite fight. My favorite, quote unquote, the most under owned, the under owned fight. Uh, then we have Shyland Nerdebecki versus Steve Garcia, and I think Nerdebecki is way over owned. Maybe not way over owned, but I have him at thirty percent owned. The last fight, if you look at his game game log, you have to you have to get rid of the last fight that he had. If you remember, his last fight was against Derek Minner in the in the James Krause fixing fight, right? Whatever. I, I don't want to say he's fixed the fight, but he knew that Derek Minner was injured, right? That's the fight that all the lines moved and everything, and now James Krause can't do anything in the UFC anymore, and his gym is at the question, you know, that type of crap. So yeah, it's kind of kind of easy to put up a hundred plus points against a guy that has like 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 broke his ankle or something or whatever whatever was wrong with his leg. So you kind of have to throw that out. So I think the line is a little too wide. Steve Garcia is not a good fighter, but Steve Garcia is at least aggressive. He's fairly durable, and Nerden Becky, even if he does lands takedowns, he doesn't even do much with them. So I think this fight is much closer than what it is, and. Uh, the, the fight is is lined to end inside the distance. Uh, but I see upside more in the in the underdog than than in the in the favorite. So I think I'm more likely to play Steve. I think Steve Garcia is gonna be under owned compared to Nerd and Becky. Because I don't I don't I don't see a reason why he should be 30% owned. When we have all the when when you have Amarim, Rosas, you got Pinheiro, Pfeiffer, you got other people in this range that I'd rather play at lower ownership or higher upside, right? And talk about the highest upside fighter on the slate is probably Joe Pfeiffer against Gerald Mearshart. This fight is like minus 700 to end inside the distance. I think this is the most important fight on the entire slate. So you have Joe Pfeiffer making his second second UFC appearance. He beat, he beat Amadovsky or whatever, Alan Amadovsky in his last fight. You, you almost have to throw that out also. Alan Amadovsky may, may be one of the worst fighters to ever be in the UFC, at least in the past 10 years or something. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
So winning over him, that doesn't mean anything. Okay. But uh, Gerald Mearshart, uh, basically his path to victory is, uh, is Hail Mary submissions, right? He's not that great of an offensive wrestler, uh, but on the ground, on the ground, he's going to definitely have an advantage and he doesn't mind playing off his back. So a lot of times, even when Mearshart wins with, with the sub, it's in the third round and he still only scores 80 points. He didn't do much otherwise. But I think this may be the most important fight from a from a finishing perspective because Mearshart also is, has horrible striking defense. So like Piper could just absolutely destroy him. Uh, and for 8,700, Piper has, has nearly as much upside as guys like Holland and Bob Mondes. Maybe not Williams and Burns. Maybe not Rosas and Amarine, right? Because I don't expect Joe Piper to be wrestling. But I'd much rather pay eighty seven hundred for a a knockout a blast off type of victory than you know nine hundred more, eight hundred more, six hundred more, whatever. But he'll be popular. Like I think Piper's going to be like thirty eight percent. Adrian Yanez kind of fits that bill also. Adrian Yanez, we have at thirty five percent. Someone will not. This is not a wrestler. Uh, Yanez Font. This is just going to be. This is going to be. I don't want to call it a banger. Basically a high-paced striking fight, right? This is a big step up in competition for Giannis, who's undefeated. But Font's inside the distance line is plus 520. And also Font has been knocked down five times in the past two fights, right? He got knocked down, what, twice? By Jose, Jose Aldo at the at the end of his career, right? So uh, durability issues there for Font, but... Uh, I mean, I think he's, I mean, truthfully, Rob Font, I think, should, I would think that Rob Font should be favored in this fight rather than Yanez. But I think Yanez, it's just that this fight, I think, is going to be very popular on DraftKings. And there's not going to be any wrestling. Rob Font, I guess, could, I mean, I guess. Yes, Rob Font could wrestle. I don't think he will. And I'm not saying he's a great wrestler, but I mean, at least he can. Yanez won't do that. Yanez will not go to the ground at all. So I just I just feel like this fight is like if Giannis can't win in the first round, how does he get 100 points? Right? I'm much more likely to play Font, even though his finishing upside is, I mean, plus 520 inside the distance is not good. But I think this fight overall is going to be over-owned. Then we have Pinero versus Waterson Gomez. And uh, Pinero's plus 340 to inside, uh, win inside the distance, but Pinero... Very aggressive and grapples, right? Is she a very good grab? Like, is she a very polished grappler? No. But she just she just forces, she just uses her physicality and take you down. And Waterson and Michelle Waterson, uh, I mean, she's faced way higher, better competition, but she's also she's also old now. Uh, the karate hottie. I don't see how Waterson Gomez scores a hundred plus points. I, I don't know how that's possible. I mean, plus 705 inside the distance. The the second lowest IDD line. Uh, Pinero, yeah, is most likely going to gas. If if, uh, this, if this goes to the third round, Luana Pinero is probably going to be tired. I see what Michelle Waterson could win. I don't know what her upside is. And at 7,600, just win equity, maybe a little, little expensive. Like, I don't mind that at like 7K. Right, because of all the other fighters I could fit in. 
but Waters and Gomez, it seems like this seems like the ceiling of this fight is low. And if there's gonna if there's gonna be a finish, it'd probably be early by Pinheiro and at like 24% owned. That's like it's it's okay. Efficiently owned. Uh then we get Gastelum Curtis in the mid-range. If it if it wasn't for the fact that this was in the mid-range and an 80-point win could still could still be useful. This is the fight that I'm li- that I'm least excited about to play on DraftKings. Like this is, I mean, Gastelum could wrestle Chet Chris Curtis as like a hundred percent takedown defense, and uh, neither of these guys get knocked out or anything. So like, I expect a, like a slow to medium pace kickboxing match for three rounds, and someone wins a split decision. It, maybe maybe someone scores eighty points. Maybe. Maybe, right? That's the most likely outcome. Now, it's going to be fairly low owned. I mean, I have these guys at like 16, 18% owned. And from a construction perspective, you may you may end up playing one of these guys just because you have, it's like, oh, I'm, I'd rather have a, you know, win equity here, but I think the upside is is low. The same could be said for the uh, the main event. I think the main event is going to be wildly over-owned, which is any Adesanya main event is always over-owned. Is always overowned on DraftKings because the path, the path to 100 points with Adesanya fights are, it's tough, right? Because typically they're slow paced, you know, perimeter striking fights, and especially in this, like Pereira ain't wrestling. Like Adesanya can, if he wanted to, he didn't really the last fight, uh, but it is in the mid range, so it's 8,300, 7,900, so it fits the same thing as like if. I'd rather play Adesanya or Pereira than Gastelum or Curtis because at least I get two more rounds, right? A five-round fight. So that's the its only benefit is that the price range makes it tenable, that even a five-round win equity fight is still like it's 90 points. And I think 90 points in the mid-range in the very, very middle can be useful. But as always, I think I think the fight's going to be overall. I have, I have Adesanya at 36%, Pereira at 40%. So, you know, three quarters of the lineups having one of this fight, I would absolutely not stack it. I mean, I, I don't stack fights and GPPs at all, but I wouldn't even consider it. I mean, I, in any case for this, uh, but I wouldn't, in my seven lineups, it's, it's quite possible I have one of these two fighters just based on construction purposes, especially for smaller field contests. But also you have to remember in smaller field contests, this fight is going to be even more overowned, right? If it's going to be 75% of lineups in large field is going to have this fight, small field, maybe 85, 90% of lineups have this fight. I don't think the, any, the ceiling of Adesanya fights are, are not high. You'll need, you'll need a first, second round knockout. You need, for some odd reason, this gets to be a high paced, you know, in a phone booth type of brawl, but I don't, neither of them fight that way. The first fight of the night is the most interesting fight to me. Jacqueline Amarine versus Sam Hughes. Not because I want to play Sam Hughes. Is that because I want to play Jacqueline Amarine? Uh, she's making her UFC debut. She's 6-0 and uh, from the, the LFA. L- she's the what, former LFA champion and a BJJ black belt who essentially, you know, early and often spams takedowns, tries to get you to the mat, ground and pound, submission finish. Uh, I think she has 
as much upside as Raul Rosas, as much upside as Gilbert Burns and Carl Williams. Uh, I know, in general, uh, over the course of a year, you want to play under-owned, under-owned female favorites, right, that have the ability to smash, okay? You're going to get burned plenty of times because that's that's the, the, the key. Like, I don't think Lupi Godinez fits that bill on this slate. I think Jacqueline Amarine fits on the slate. Now, this could be a much more competitive fight than you think because it's, she's making her UFC debut. But I don't see Sam. Sam Hughes isn't, like, horrible. But I don't, I don't see, I don't see a reason why Sam Hughes. I don't see how Sam Hughes puts up a hundred points, right? Like if Amarine, if if uh, Hughes lasts the first round, and Amarine gasses in the second or third, like I don't think Sam Hughes just goes out and just like destroys her or something like that. Like even if in that case, but I think the fact that Amarine does not have a game log, that Amarine is in the same range as Rosas and Nerd and Becky. And Pfeiffer, and even if you want to count Holland up here at 9,300, I mean, I, I'm not sure what her ownership is going to be. I have her 28% owned, which is not like low, low owned. But I think her inside the distance line is minus 105. I mean, it's the third highest on the slate. And typically, we don't find female fighters that have, you know, minus money inside the distance line. So I'm not I'm not sure what her ownership is, but on my rate compared to 28% ownership, she's the most underowned. She is the most underowned fighter on the slate at 28% ownership. Right? Another under I have Steve Garcia as underowned. I have Gerald Mearshot as underowned. Steve Garcia underowned at 18. Mearshot underowned at 20. Only because he's Mearshot's plus 235 inside the distance. Just understand with, with GM3, like. All of his point equity comes in, in finding that submission. If he doesn't, like, he's he's not racking up points or anything. So just be aware of that. He's under-owned for his finishing capability. But as far as his point-scoring floor, it's quite low. Over-owned fighters that I have currently here, I have uh, Waterson Gomez, vastly over-owned at 20%. I font over on to 24%. Uh, I got uh, like Holland a bit over owned at 30%. I've even Godinez. If Godinez is like 16%, that's over owned. I've Rosa's over owned at 32% by a little bit, by a little bit. Maybe Rosa should be like 26%. Pfeiffer, I have is about right. A lot of these other fighters is about, about. Kind of a efficient. Yanez, maybe a, li- a little under-owned at 36%, just only because of his plus 125. Just understand, Yanez's 100-plus point ceiling comes from, you know, a first-round knockout. But his, his, his uh, you know, his ceiling past the first round is going to start diminishing greatly. And everyone else is kind of, like, kind of about efficiently. I have Masvidal is over-owned at 14%. Name value, people. Jorge Masvidal is going to be owned. Can he beat Gilbert Burns? I think he can, but can he score a lot of points in DFS? I don't think so. Other than I, I yeah, if he does a Ben Askren, if he, you know, if he does a flying knee in, in three seconds, yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. I could see that. But it's hard for Masvidal to eat like a Masvidal decision. Like, how does that work? 
I mean, Gilbert Burns may have an entire round where he's on top of him. So, I mean, I don't even, I'm not even sure how he scores that well on DraftKings past the first round. And he's only plus 535 inside the distance. I think most likely Gilbert Burns maybe doesn't destroy him. You know, second round submission or something like that. Jorge Masvidal has like, what, been knocked out once in 50 fights or something? His takedown defense is very good. His grappling, he's, he's an underrated grappler. He's not an offensive grappler, but he can get up. I'm not sure if Gilbert Burns should be a minus 445 favorite in this fight. But on the other hand, Masvidal's 38 years old. And I think in an interview this week, he said if he doesn't win this fight, he's going to retire. And, that, and whenever you hear that R word, whenever you hear the R word, you run. You run. Right? We didn't do it last slate. What happened with uh, Steven Peterson? Was that, what, two slates ago or something? Steven Peterson, under own. Okay, I'm going to play a bunch of Steven Peterson. He looked awful. He barely did anything. Like, what the hell's going on here? And he loses. He barely puts any, any points. Even in three, 15 minutes, he has like 12 DraftKings points. And then in the post, and then he puts his gloves or whatever. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, this was my last. This was my last fight. It's like I would like. I like to know that beforehand. Like that's that's that's, that's almost a cheat code, right? Like ninety plus percent of the time, I don't know if that's the real number. If someone announces their retirement, they're probably getting their ass kicked. Right? They're they're just you take the other guy. You take the other guy, right? That's what I run. I ride Shogun or anything. Like you, you're just, you, you go, it's, oh, no, this is going to be my last fight. It's like, yeah, you, you're going to get killed. That's what, that's what happens in uh, in MMA. Uh, people don't retire, don't retire. They retire on their back. They retire, you know, with knocked out. Okay. So that was a nice little, uh, you know, look-see. A little bit more of a fight breakdown, kind of like how, how the, what basically we went over kind of like the standard deviation of the fights. And how that that compares to you know the types of lineups that we should be building. Probably the lineups we shouldn't be building in large field GPPs. Probably you know if we if we do something like this, let's say we take Pfeiffer, we take Pfeiffer, Yanez, Pereira, right? We have eighty three hundred. Who's going to be the big maybe Ponzinibbio, nine thousand. Rosas. Yeah, some some yeah, like this type of lineup. This is actually like, yeah, look, look at all the ownership here. Right? Don't play this type of lineup. 50k lineup. Rosas, Nerd and Becky, Yanez, Pfeiffer, Pereira, Ponzinibbio, or something, you know, something like this. You probably stay away from that. Right. Look, look, look at look at this. Uh, the lowest on fighter in your in your lineup is like 32% owned. You're going to be duped a lot. You're going to be just going to, going to be duped 7 million times. So I guess don't play that lineup. Play any other lineup other than that lineup. Okay. So I'll be on uh, crunch time tomorrow with uh, with Mike H3 Buddha. It'll be 5, 5.15. You'll see the thumbnail. If you're subscribed to the YouTube channel, so hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. I know we got some NBA stuff. MLB. We have multiple MLB slates. We got two like six game MLB slates today. They'll be doing crunch time. There'll be grinders live. There'll be tons of stuff. Go go to the scores and odds channel. Subscribe to that. Our, our sister site for all your betting needs. And uh, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. And then uh, submit your questions.
you have any any questions about DFS strategy, it doesn't have to be MMA. It could be MLB. It could be you know, bankroll management, contest selection, anything. Sports betting, right? Prop betting, any anything. Just submit your question to me. Questions at theoryofdfs.com. That's questions at theoryofdfs.com. And that's what I cover on the show, right? Normally, right? Other than Fridays when there's a UFC slate. So, uh, so send them in. You ask questions, I have answers. And I'm here to do so every Monday through Friday at 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.